Well, go on, everybody. This is Major Dream Williams here with Ethan, Jeff, and Josh from the Edge of NFT podcast, where I go for all of my information on what's coming down in the space, who is moving the culture, who is needing to be listened to, and who is making the things that make us excited and happy. All I deal with is futuristic stuff and people that are about community. And if you want to figure out where that is, well, go right to the edge of NFT. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Welcome to the Edge of NFT. We've got a great episode today featuring our guest, Major Dream Williams. We'll find out what the heck NFT the movie is and what does it have to do with elevating culture. We'll also find out what's led to the largest round of funding in crypto history at half a billion dollars. In addition, we'll learn what the three ingredients are that Major Dream recommends to help the next generation thrive. Find out about all this and more on today's episode of Edge of NFT. And don't forget to head over to our website at edgeofnft.com to sign up for our newsletter and dive further down the rabbit hole. Today's episode features Major Dream Williams, an early blockchain adopter with a background in traditional finance. He and his company are documenting how to use NFT innovation to move the culture forward and connect humanity. It's called NFT The Movie. It's a documentary about the movers, shakers, and givers in NFTs anchored around the first successful blockchain vote for Brock Pierce and the team that was part of it. Welcome, Major. So great to see you yeah, and to be in to person you. with you. <laughs> Thank you. We are having a great time in Puerto Rico and uh, too great. Good. Yeah, too good. Too <laughs> many pina coladas, too many mojitos. Um, but it's been great to see you and, and, and meet Definitely. so much, see so much vibrant energy around blockchain and and about making Puerto Rico the best place on earth, right? That's oh, what's, yeah. So uh, having you here is fantastic. It would re, let's just, to kick it off, given your diverse background, where have you had the opportunity to see the world through, where you've had the opportunity to see the world through so many different cultures? What does culture mean to you? Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me here. And um, I'm super excited. The space is super exciting. And the reason that I feel even more is because I get a chance to help mint culture. So you ask, what is culture? Culture is the lifeblood of any vibrant civilization, any vibrant community. Culture is how we talk. Culture is how we eat, what we eat. Culture is how we dress, how we wear our hat, how we talk with our slang, how we dance, how we walk. These type of what's normally called intangible are the things that make you walk down the street and realize, oh, that's different. When you see that, that is culture shining through. And over the last many years, there have always been people to, who see culture and are able to take it somewhere where it doesn't really affect the culture positively, whether that be monetarily, whether that be in just the, in, in the philosophical aspect, because they're now are putting their pieces of culture in other people's hands and it gets to be wrangled, mangled and whatever have you so that something 
like uh, Tex-Mex develops. You know, it's not necessarily Mexican food. It's not necessarily Texas food. It's Tex-Mex. And some people love it. Some people don't. But the idea is it's based off of the foundation, the, the cure. Yeah. You know what that's making me think of? Interesting. We've been talking about digital real estate. Mm. And a lot of times you can make where you can make an analog between digital real estate and real world real estate is how much traffic is there. Right. So if there's a lot of traffic in a physical location, that's great. That drives the price up of that piece of physical real estate. If there's a lot of traffic in a virtual location, that drives up the, the price of that virtual space. And what's interesting to me about what you're saying is what makes that virtual space more appealing to attract the traffic is culture. Right. It's like what's going on there? What's exciting? What's interesting to look at? What's interesting to listen to? And, uh, you know, we've seen it throughout the years with cultures in various large cities, urban areas. You know, you see this happen over and over again. A very rich culture moves in, right, when, when it's very inexpensive mm-hmm. uh, monetarily. Mm-hmm. And then the culture gets enriched and enriched and enriched. And then the real estate price drives up and everybody wants to be there. So that, that's really fascinating. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, historically, exactly. You're right. To piggyback on that, money always follows the cool. So money always follows the cool. You know, people want to be associated with the culture, like movers, the trendsetters. And a lot of times, those are the people who are kind of anti-culture and they can't find jobs. They can't find, so they express. So they end up in these places like a Soho, you know, with these warehouses. And then what comes right after it, the money, it becomes trendy Prices necessarily go up, and yeah. then the people that made it cool have to believe it. You know, it's, it, it makes me think about busboys and poets. Uh, Jeff and I are from D.C., and, mm-hmm. and, and that's been a cultural institute for, for as long as you can imagine. And wherever there's a busboys and poets, there's a lot of development. Yeah. But, but, but who created busboys and poets as artists? And they've been really great about keeping their prices reasonable, making sure the entire community is part of that environment. Yeah. We've had many a good meals at Busboys and Poets over the years. <laughs> you see, that's what culture is about. The things that remember, like culture is attached to nostalgia, like, like the things that make you feel comfortable. And now, now the way this thing really jumped off for me, and I'm sorry if I'm keeping this understanding, no. but culture is very important to me. So as a Jamaican, right, simply put, traveling the world, I understand what just a simple shift in an accent is, because like, if you see me, you feel, all right, African-American, right? But I don't necessarily identify as African-American. I'm Jamaican-American, different. My culture is something that I cherish, but since a lot of us have been born in the States, we obviously have now created this thing called a Jamaican, right? So we are rooted in the culture, but we like things a little bit more first world. So that makes us a little more kind of detached. So when we go back to the island, we're too Yankee to be a Yachty, but then in, in Yankee land, America, we're too, ya- we're too Yachty to be a Yankee. So that was kind of the straddle I had to kind of go down. But I understand this much. When they are like Dubai or Paris or something else and people hear a Jamaican accent come out, everything just start change. Whether them talk about Bob Marley, whether them talk about cool runnings, or whether them talk about the Jamaican man that broke them heart. So sorry, baby, we never mean for backyard, but we try to develop. <laughs> and that little bit of thing, right? That's a, is what culture is. And when I look at it, I say, people will be able to sit on people's couches and sit 
for months with a doctor to talk them through their life trauma just to get a smile, just to get a good feel. And if I can do that with an accent, that right there to me seems like there's something's monetizable there. Something is, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I was like, well, look, NFTs is the best chance for us to get involved and mint ourselves. Interesting. Interesting. I think we have a few questions. Oh, yeah, that helps. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So let's spend some time talking about innovation and culture in Puerto Rico crypto and art and curating the Caribbean. So what has your experience been and how has it influenced your thinking on how to elevate local culture? Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, I've been in Puerto Rico ever since uh, Maria, right after Maria's, because as the child of the Caribbean, the goal was to come down and help. But before that, I was in Jamaica with my family working a business. We own some land over on the North Coast. It did a lot to help improve the Jamaican island. And we end up coming of age to be able to kind of focus on a business. So we wanted to develop. I did one of the cardinal sins is what I advise innovators to do at this point. I came down like a Jamaican. You know what you should do? You know what you should do? And not really understand what underground politics meant. What underground, like what the movement was really about. I came in knowing better. I came in with top, with Fortune 50 companies working with me with $700 an hour lawyers. Like all you're doing is coming down and ruffling feathers, not because of they don't see the benefits, but it's just all about how you present yourself. The optics is very important. We in the Caribbean, if you understand this much, we will cut our nose to spite our face because our pride is what we have. So when you're gone, we're still there. You know, so that was something that I witnessed and I understood. So this go around here in Puerto Rico, where I believe the stakes are at its highest because there's so much real movement that can happen. I just found myself in the place to be able to speak to the innovators that are coming down for their, you know, for, yeah, I mean, let, let's face it, most are coming down to save taxes. All right. The thing is this, these are winners. These are people who do. And Caribbean culture is sort of counterintuitive. Like you can't come down with a full head of steam because we will slow you down just so you can just like, this is like going back in time. I think, you know, I was just at a lunch with one of the guys that created the act that sort of created all these tax incentives. Mm -hmm. And my observation talking to him is, yeah, that's the initial hook, similar to crypto, like making money, saving money. Mm -hmm. Those things are nice, but then there's some magic that happens, some dust that like flies through the air and just like wraps you up in it Ooh. and you just don't, you, you see the potential, you see mm -hmm. the more. And I think it was a brilliant strategy uh, for Puerto Rico to create those incentives to get everyone to sort of look at something differently. Definitely. A couple follow-ups too. I mean, we've been here a week, but I've already realized, you know, if people are coming down here just to save money on taxes, mm -hmm. they actually usually don't stick around, right? They come, they come for a little bit. They're not going to last a year or two once they really see a lot of work has to be done here. Mm -hmm. So on the other hand, while there are people coming down here to save on taxes, I think the people that are sticking around more than not are feeling invested in changing the culture, for, not changing the culture, but integrating the culture into the better life that people in this area might want, right? Trying to improve infrastructure mm -hmm. or, or build the society in a way in which it benefits everyone. So that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the only thing I would like to say on top of that is really ultimately, again, we're talking to people who are successful, right? So at this rate, 
I don't really care about your success. You know what I mean? I care about you as a person. So the idea that anybody necessarily needs to come down and improve more than people need to come down and and really see kind of what's going on and just support. Because everyone here is trying to improve themselves. Nobody's yeah. not yeah, trying we to improve. It, Jeff and I have a term for that <laughs> called the good idea of okay. You get right. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what? You know what we should have been like, like, I'm like, my G, hold on. Chill, relax. And yes, you're right. We should. Definitely we should. Don't tell anybody that though. Ask and see what they're doing and quietly supply money. Quietly. Like, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you're still doing good where you come from. You only have to do a couple months, you know, six months or, or so half the year in here, which most people operate on that. I'm one of those people like that. I live here full time because at the end of the day, we all need a big homie on the ground. And it's not like everybody comes six months and then leaves six months. Everybody comes at different times. So you need to kind of have at least a constant down here. And, 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 and that's kind of where I found myself. Yeah. The other thing I want to call back to just because I find it fascinating. And then I have a question that's sort of related to the next step. Going back to you talking about, you know, speaking in a different accent. I think we might even have some B-roll to add. You know, when this goes in the movie, you met a friend of ours, Elliot Mizra, the other day. We were yeah. all just hanging out, right? And, and it, he knew that he had a connection, a common connection to a culture that you had, right? We actually started speaking your language, yeah, right? And it was really impressive the way that you two then, you know, just, just immediately solidified mm-hmm. a connection. And uh, I'm happy to have been able to see that kind of illustrate what yeah, you're man. talking about. I'm going to hit the next question here. That is, if you could tell us about the Caribbean art mob and how that <laughs> empowers artists. Well, I'd like to say <laughs> the Caribbean art mob is, is a movement. And it's just funny because I just had a real conversation about this because we're doing the branding right now and really getting it out there, what it is. And, you know, us on the islands, we really have a love affair with, with the mafia, with big, large families, with a way of being that combines that classic kind of debonair kind of vibe, that masculine where you are, that your families felt safe and that swashbuckling adventurer that is looking for treasure in the Caribbean. You know, like that one who's that adventurer that's willing to jump out there in the island. Now, when I look into it also, the mob is sort of, Violence is always thought of with mob, right? Now, when we talk about taking back culture, like you need to be able to do it in a way that elicits an inclusive, helpful, yet stern, forceful, measured way of being. Don Corleone was very understated. And with a look, things happen. That's what we kind of want to be here. Want to be someplace where people feel trusted, where the artist feels trusted, you know, that they can trust us. But yet we can be a bridge to that artist pool that they're looking for because every emerging artist wants to be, you know, recognized. Absolutely. And, you know, we find right now the best place for a lot of these artists to be is with a um, a crew that is looking to educate, uplift, support, fight for, and who who is savvy enough to um, maneuver those um, higher levels. Yeah. Art mom. yeah, interesting. It's very interesting. I, I just happen to be watching um, some footage of Spike Lee at Cannes, which has been going on right now. 
And I thought to get the title, but he was given a position uh, where he became the first black person to have this position of leadership at the Cannes Film Festival. And I heard him actually calling out, it's very fascinating to me, politicians in various countries as gangsters. That was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Kind of taking that term, which has been used in so many different scenarios, right? And using it for a very pejorative term when it comes to the type of insider politics and leadership that's happening in in various countries. Bullyism, bullying. You can bully with information. Right, right. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We keep things apart. So I've been always fascinated with repurposing words. You know, like we in the hood had to grow up hearing things about ourselves and still having to go through that and coming out of that. That's because we didn't believe these things about ourselves. You can call me whatever you want, but if you're not calling me my name, you're not talking to me. Mm. So the aspect of me saying, yeah, this is a mob is because the people who have been on the outside normally end up being the mob, but because we are community, yeah, let's mob up. Let's mob out. Yo, we mobbing. Let's roll together. It's unity. And and community is everything when it comes to the creator culture and NFTs and all the cool stuff that you have cooking up. Doesn't matter without community. Jeff, have the next question for you. Yeah. So let's take back for a second, man. Like, you know, we're, we're here talking about so many uh, impactful elements of culture and community art, you know, the bridge to technology side of that is NFTs. So you know, what was your introduction to NFTs and, and how did the idea for a movie about it come about? Okay. Two things. At first induction to, into the NFT world was about two and a half years ago. One of my dear friends came to me. He's, he's a top blockchain guy. He came to me with this sports project and he's like, cause he had been working with a bunch of retired NFL players and they didn't know how to monetize their, their life after. And he's like, look, you need to start planning for retirement. You know, you need to get into this um, NFT space. And I don't even know if he called it NFT, but it was just a way to create these like collectibles Digital for your collectibles. Exactly. Yeah. So now I'm bringing it to some of my basketball player friends and my brother, for instance, plays professional basketball down in Australia. So I'm bringing it to him and then he's introducing me to folks and all of them are looking at me like, why would I need that? I got my fans. Now, a Black Swan event happens. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's like, how can I monetize my fans? Now NFTs are like what everybody wants to do. You have NBA Top Shot. You have these things. So, you know, look, timing is just what it's really all about. So yeah, so two years ago, I, um, I started learning about that. But then here we fast forward to... Um, me sitting down with Jeff Crane, producer of NFT, the movie, and barely a conversation went down. And then he ends up having another conversation with Ken Bozak. And then all of a sudden, man, look, we got NFT, the movie. He buys a domain for like $12 and stuff. And then next thing you know, a movement is happening because of community. You know, look, we understand that we have some amazing people in the crypto space that are here in Puerto Rico. This is a hotbed like this. As my, uh, my partner, Zach, normally says, this is a Cambrian explosion of the future. And we have all of these world beaters and innovators just stocked right top of each other. And I'm just sitting here like a kid in a candy store, like, yo, yo, yo. And, and we're just sitting there just having conversation. You know, the, the beautiful thing about it is that you get to break bread and talk to people as people. You know, so the movie re- is really about that, like that kind of uniqueness that, Puerto Rico is, is really causing. Right on. And we'll have a chance to chat with Jeff 
excited to see this movie come to yeah. life. I know you guys are doing the festival circuit. So that would be really exciting. You mentioned at some point to me the connection between Brock Paris and NFT, the movie. And how does that kind of come together? And how did the election and Brock's running for office fit in? What does that all have to do with NFTs, man? <laughs> like, put these pieces together for us. Wow, that's a good thing. You know what? There's many smarter people out there that could probably put this thing together, but I'll give it a try. Brock Pierce is probably one of the lead thought leaders in the crypto, blockchain, freedom, you know, individual, individuality movement. Yes, he started off as a child actor, but since then, he's really been an advocate for a lot of the people who have been, you know, on the outside. When we talk about voting and we talk about NFTs, what we are really talking about is provenance. What we really are talking about is identity. What we are really talking about is, are you you? Yes, you are, right? As long as we can know that. Now, when we talk about voting, especially in this country in this past election, there's a lot of accusatory things about the legitimacy of voting. So as far as I can see it, NFTs are probably the best way to at least make sure you're talking to somebody that you're talking to. And with Brock being such a futurist, I mean, he's just somebody that's been able to see around corners for many, 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 many years. And, you know, I thank him all the time for just being able to, to take shots because when you're doing something that's disruptive, things are going to come at you from all sides. And he takes it on the chin with a grin and just keeps going. So I commend him for that. You know, um, he came up to me when I'm telling him, I'm like, I'm focusing because I still have a, a farm project, agriculture project, and I focus on you know, mushrooms and microgreens and that stuff. So Brock knows me into doing that and cooking and fitness and all of that. And I'm like, yo, Brock, I'm doing NFTs. I'm an NFT man. And he sat with me for about three hours trying to convince me not to how hard this is going to be because I told him how I'm trying to move culture, the industry, the Caribbean. So it's not like he's trying to get me really not to do it. But as somebody that has been doing it for so long and has felt all of them coming at you from all sides and he cares about it. So he's just like, look, dude, if you want to do mushrooms, I got you. Let's do that. And I'm like, nah, this is the purpose. This is the focus. This is what this blood is pumping to the veins to do. I'm a son of the Caribbean. And if I can get back and help that by being in this small group of people who understand this space, that's what I get to do. So, you know, he, showed, he gave me love, gave me a hug and was like, okay, cool. I got you back. And, you know, this is kind of why we get to do you know, an interview here in, in his place because it's love and it's support. And it's always been that, you know, and, and he will tell you, like, I've never asked him for anything. The only thing I've always asked is access, because as soon as I figure out what makes sense, we're going to take it to Jamaica. Yeah, we're actually live in the monastery in Old San Juan, right next to, I guess, one of the uh, major government offices. Right, right next to the governor. The governor the lives governor. behind us. Yeah, man, the yeah. governor is right and, behind us. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful building. I was here in 2018 when it was still recently yeah. purchased. And man, has this place been restored? We'll, we'll share some pictures of, of our background with, uh, with the listeners at home, too, because it really is a special building. Yeah. And, you know, what you were just talking about, about kind of getting something started with the name of a project and then all of a sudden it gets momentum or saying, hey, I'm doing this, but I'm deciding to throw my weight into this and those kind of risks that it takes. Mm -hmm. And I think one of, probably one of the values, whether stated or not, of this podcast is initiation. 
like taking the initiative to get something started. And you look at people, like I think it was the CEO of Binance, maybe Binance US or Binance in general, who talked about what was their advantage in moving forward, just moving fast and trying things, right? Or one of our most respected entrepreneurs nowadays, Elon Musk, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people are fascinated by all the different projects that he's doing, but you know, he kind of has this attitude like, well, nobody else is doing it, so I'm just going to do it, right? And I think in spaces like this where it's fresh and new, it's those people that realize, oh, I can own this and I can create this. I can be the one that determines how this is going to be in the future. I think that's really a lot of magic. Yeah, I just have to say, I mean, we met for the first time here in Puerto Rico just a couple of days ago, but people have been talking to you about us yeah. and people have been talking to us about you <laughs> yeah. for as long as we've both been working on our projects, which has been like no time. So I think there's this energetic like attraction there between like just doing it, right? I mean, we created our first show like a month after we decided to do a show. We started creating (laughs) content and, you know, we have a newsletter coming soon, but, but we didn't stop to get everything perfect because I think innovation now is at a hyper speed and, and, and you have to sort of flow with energy. Definitely. Yeah. And and just to piggyback on that before I ask my next question, just we since being here in Puerto Rico, we see so many people with this kind of initiative. I mean, I've talked to so many people here. We've been to some entrepreneurial events and people who are investing in projects. I mean, they're shooting for the moon and they're excited and they're just going for it, you know? And, you know, hey, do you want to come on board? They're excited and seeing people are into it. Just get started. So the next question that I have is simply, when is this documentary, NFT, the movie, coming out? <laughs> if you know, and where can we view it? When it does? That's, a, that, that's a good question. I am going to keep that under wraps in the hands of Jeff Craig. Okay. But I can tell you this much. We are filming a Puerto Rico section of NFT, the movie, toward the end of the month. And then after that, we will be finished shooting and editing will happen. We'll be um, submitting to Sundance. You know, so we'll be on the Sundance film circuit and maybe con at some point. But as far as the story and what happens, it's really Jeff Crane's baby. So I'll wait for him to join the podcast and tell you. Ethan's pretty good at getting people to reveal their (laughs) secrets. So maybe we have to have Jeff on sooner than we expected. We'll figure that out. Perhaps you'll be nominated for Best Supporting Actor in this scene. You know, <laughs> be one of the best scenes. I will be nominated for Best Supporting Podcast. <laughs> I definitely would give you guys Best Supporting Podcast before me Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> That's for sure. I'm just, um, as I always say, I'm just a happy servant of the Caribbean, you know, and I'm glad that I'm able to, to kind of highlight this and what we're doing here in Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is a very special place to me. I mean, most people don't know, but we are on the southern tip of the Bermuda Triangle. Like this is a portal, like this, this grasps and like and brings the things that it needs and spits the things that it needs out, doesn't need out. You know, like I always say people like, where are you running from or running, you know, away from or to? You know, like that's and the islands have a way of of doing that, bringing people down. And when you're not treating it right, it's casting you off. Well, speaking of talking to so many people, man, and you know, you're not, you're not going to give up all the goods on the movie yet, but is there anybody, a project, an individual that you've spoken with that really stands out to you that we should keep an eye on? Oh, wow. Wow. So many, 
so many. I met a guy, Elliot, the other day who's doing this, this thing with engine. And uh, you know what? I shouldn't even talk about that. But it's public. It's okay, public. okay, okay, okay. So it's fine. Um, it's the same Elliot we mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's getting a chance to render like these cultural spots around the world. Like they did like this Machu Picchu and, and like, and he comes up to me and I'm like, what? Hold up. It's like they did it in Japan. And I'm not saying that we over people in the States aren't doing like the right stuff, but I'm going to clarify, I'm, I'm I'm over clarify as to what this is. Pickle it, pixelated right. stuff. We've been hearing about this a little bit more. You just yeah, yeah, hearing yeah. about it personally from Elliot. He is an expert in AR, VR technology. Oh, and what he's done and his company is doing is going to some of the major sites around the world and creating AR, VR versions of those places. And mm-hmm. so we went, when he went to Machu Picchu, he creates a whole world that is now digital Machu Picchu, which is in, you know, looks just like a picture of it, right? And then what they can do is license this to video games and, and other users, you mm-hmm. know, like a flight simulator or whatever, so that now people can play a game mm-hmm. in nearly what is the real Machu Picchu. So I like that. Yeah. No, but it's it, called uh, virtual worlds. Virtual there worlds, we go. Yeah. And just like what you said, in the real world real estate, when people go there, the price goes up just like this. Now, and, and Elliot loves the show, so he's he's gonna go crazy Shout out this to, segment. Yo, Elliot, Wam, Wagwan, brethren, you know it there. We are tell you big things, man. We are talk about it because when you go around the Caribbean, like you want that type of resonance and, and and so because the Caribbean is beauty. And trust me, I mentioned pirates early and going around for gold and and booty, but. The real golden boot is the people. The people of the Caribbean are the treasure. That is what I'm trying to highlight. Like your granny that have the little joke all the time or your auntie that always smacks you on the butt and gives those religious kind of like sermons. Like, like that is culture. Right on, right on. Well, I don't know, Jeff, do we have time for a couple of quick hitters? Because I really want to know what... Major has to say about some of his background. What How are you doing, Major? What, what do we got? What do we got for time? We can uh, we can jump into a few of these. Let's do it. Let, let's do it. Now, people remember this. I'm a man of the people, so that means I come from the 80s, New York. So remember, times were different. All right, all right. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Like, let's give you the full thing. So, Major Edge Quick Hitters is a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. There are ten questions. We're looking for short, single word, or a few word responses. Feel free to expand though if you get the urge. Okay. Yeah, no problem. No problem. All right. So number one, what's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? A number. I went to the number hall and I bought a two. And I remember I hit the number and one. So I said, go to the number hall of my grandmother's and I bought, you know, a two. <laughs> Started off on the right foot. Nice. Uh, number two, then what's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Oh, wow. Oh, those boxes of chocolate bars, those big chocolate. I went to Catholic school and they had these big chocolate bars with the walnuts or the almonds in it. And I used to have to sell those for like East, at Easter time. Or so. but, but I mean, it's hot in Jamaica. Those things melt. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, I've tried to ship chocolate. In, when it's <laughs> well, I tell you this, you're right about that. But this was um, in New York. Oh, okay. In New York. Right, you know. said Bronx, is that right? Yeah, in the Bronx. And the, okay. Yeah, Topia X is out there if you're from the Bronx. And uptown. That's Brooklyn the, over here. Yee, I, I, nice. I, nice. Pushing chocolate. There's a half a part that's good for you. all right major number three what's the most recent thing you purchased 
wow, the most recent thing I purchased, a plane flight, plane ticket. I took a plane ticket to Los Angeles, to Venice Beach, where I got a chance to go to Bright Moments. Yeah, my, uh, oh man, they're amazing. My, my, my business partner, Zach, his partner's there, and it was amazing. So Bright Moments was, um, was someplace. Well, we have another common connection. Zach introduced us to Bright Moments, and we do podcasts at their, uh, at their art gallery. So we're doing one with uh, Ellie Keats in about a week. Oh, wow. Amazing. Oh, I love them. Yeah. So that, that, that was the last like memorable thing I bought other than gas. And you were able to pick up a crypto Venetian while you were. Yes. Yeah. And I got a crypto Venetian. Now <laughs> I'm excited about this because now look, guys, I love the space, but I'm not, I don't let necessarily the space like whip me around. It's not like I'm running around for like things and items, but I did get hype when I got this crypto Venetian because it's made about, and I mean, and, and you guys spoke about it. Well, I, I have the best one. Oh, yeah, but, but I mean, it like, like, I mean it's, you have a shot at having the second best crypto. <laughs> so. and, and, and that's the beauty about NFTs, you know, like it gives you that childish kind of like, hey, look what I got. Look what I got. That discovery that you couldn't even think of. You get what I'm saying? Like the AI and, and the type of technology that gets put together can create something that even think of and 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 just that gives you that childish kind of fun oh yeah my girlfriend who normally works till four and they only do the venetians three to four is figuring out what day she can leave work early to get her crypto venetian like i still can't believe i showed up at that time thank you crypto venetian so yeah no for folks that don't know yeah bright moments uh physical uh gallery where they display uh virtual art and nfts and if you show up between three and four uh, you have a shot at uh, getting a crypto Venetian, which is like the equivalent of a of a, a proof of attendance, you know, token, but uh, but much much sexier and um, just very cool. So check it out. Question uh, number four: What's the most recent thing you sold? Be honest. <laughs> Act like you know my soul. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, no, no. <laughs> the most recent thing I, that I sold, my dream hat was the last thing that I sold. I had some women come in from New York and they bought three hats. They just bought three hats. So um, that was the last thing that I sold. It's my, my help to the community to um, promote island living as well as plant-based living. Very nice. Number five, what is your most prized possession? My freedom. Very cool. Number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Perspective, perspective, and I'd love to give perspective to everyone. I'd love to buy it and give it. Well, that plays then into the next question, because if you could pass on any one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? Well, I'm a Gemini, all right? So there's 17 of us. So I have something for everyone. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I definitely have something for everyone. But if I were to pass on one thing, I would definitely pass on my sense of rhythm. Okay. Noticing, I need that. <laughs> noticing tone, noticing rhythm of a room, like empathy. You know, it's more like empath type of vibe. All right. I got that. I thought you meant okay. like dan dance rhythm. All right. right. Definitely. If there's three things I can give anybody as far as mindset to be good with, you know, I would tell every young man out there, if I can pass you on three things, I would say, learn to dance, learn to cook and learn to listen. Those three things will make, so if, if I could pass on anything, those three things. The listening, I'm still working on, but nonetheless, dancing and cooking, facts. Are those also the 
Oh, you things that will get you late as well. <laughs> I live by the four W's. Okay? <laughs> Women is kind of first, bit, but the thing is, look, th- yeah, those things kind of, if you're nice, if you do it nicely, it should. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have a dance competition here after maybe uh, you and Josh can have a dance off. <laughs> Shout out to Crazy Legs. Yeah. Look, I also represent the Rocksteady crew. So, look, you know. I-, I think we've had one competition for the week that <laughs> Ethan and I lose is enough like we you know michael turpin's push-up capabilities oh are out gosh. of this world i think we'll leave it right there yeah well it, it will have aired by the time this comes on and he crushed these guys so number eight okay if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation what would that be wow that's a good one okay i would say this to be realistic with yourself in terms of how you use your time you can't be everything to everyone learn to say no, and just trust that things will come back around. They may not look the same, but they kind of smell the same. Yeah, so like overcommitment, yeah. you would delete from the next generation. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, lots of opportunity. It's hard to, hard to focus. Number nine, what did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Smoke some herb. I, <laughs> there we go. I smoked some herb. <laughs> nice. I'm Jamaican, man. I'm Jamaican. Uh, yeah. So, this is not our Joe Rogan, Elon Musk moment, guys. <laughs> Just putting that out there. We haven't established ourselves enough to, to have that. Fair enough. Ro- Fair enough. Okay. I, I, I'll tell you what I really did. What I really did. I just left a two-hour conversation with one of the leaders of local artists, and I just got 30 local graffiti street artists to commit to a... Um, a workshop to teach them how to mint NFTs, how to make NFTs, and why it's important that they are recognized in the culture. We might know that artist. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) Both compelling answers. We'll take them both. Much appreciated. Last one, question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Probably smoke. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) there we go. (laughs) No, (laughs) what I'm going to do is sit with my team. I have some uh, amazing uh, people here that helping me with the vision of curating the Caribbean, minting the culture, and really sit down and push things forward. We're, we're starting branding. We have more amazing art families on the island that are starting to be curious about this. So we want to look at ourselves, not just as the art mob, but as the art education platform, and really show these folks that Hey, look, we can, as old as you are, we got something for you. As young as you are, we got something for you. So um, I don't do this by myself. I do this with an amazing team. I have Valerie Montañez. I have Alana. Um, she has a dope last name, but that'll come. And my main man, Miguel, in the house, in the art community. And then there's the beautiful artist like my man, Gustavo. And look, first of all, we sit in a place of art because at the end of the day, as what Brock told me, if he wasn't doing anything he was doing, he would just sit down and collect art. So um, it's really just keep the movement going. At this pace, things are moving so fast. So we're just trying to, you know, stay bonded together and push forward. Because uh, as I feel it, we are the tip of the spear. Right on, man. You know, we've learned so many people on blockchain were collectors at heart. Before anything else, they like to collect. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it's a human sort of instinct to decide, I treasure this and collect it. We, we all we all have them. Garbage pail kids. I I forgot 
Yeah. I collected garbage filled kids until yes. someone started talking about it on the show. Comic like, books. Yeah. It's just that thing that, look, at the end of the day, and I'm sorry, this may be taking it down another lot, but everyone either wants a little bit of clout and everyone also sees that just the world in a little bit of an angle that when you find a community that looks at it, the sliver of the way that you do, it's just like, whoa, you do too. You do too. That it goes back to the fact that there is no you and me. It was just I and I, you know, like you'll hear the Rasta say, I and I, the I, them, that's the connection. That's when you find, when you recognize that we all have a shared culture. Like there is no black, white. I mean, look, I'm not saying that there is no black, white, because yes, there is black, white. But the idea that black, white means that we can't find commonality, that right there to me is what culture just kind of eviscerates. Once you have that culture, a common culture, it doesn't matter what you are. Yeah. You know, my grandmother's Syrian and Irish, and my grandfather's West African, and, but we're all Jamaican. And that's the one thing that culture keeps us wrapped in. So as far as the, what the Caribbean has to offer, and one more story before we go, but as far as what the Caribbean has to offer, you see it shown the other day. So Michael B. Jordan, and, and, and I love Michael B. Jordan, keep doing good work. But this is where you kind of had an opportunity that you missed. He got inspired to make a rum from Trinidad called Juve, spelt the, the way they do in Trinidad. And in Trinidad, come carnival time, this is one of the massive parties. It celebrates the dead. It celebrates and its religious undertones. There's so much to it. He chose to name his rum Juve. When the people in Trinidad, those, those people that save culture, that guard the culture, were like, look, and he talked about that it was inspired by that. They approached to him. He got, you know, kind of targeted on Twitter. And they gave him, said, either are we going to be compensated, tipped, credited something, or what? He opted to change the name. And I'm like, one, it shows that Black people are not necessarily a monolith. It shows that there is island culture, Trinity culture, but it also shows that there is no current way that it goes without saying. That's what the beauty about blockchain. You have trustless society. You have smart contracts. Because I believe he would have done different if it was approached differently. But when you put somebody on the spot, they're going to act defensive. So, but he missed an opportunity to do it. So I'm thinking this is what the art mob is all about. Minting the culture. So if something like that does happen, already standard, there's already just a little tip coming back to the culture. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's sort of a, a hot topic, if you, if you say, and that's a great transition into our hot topic section. Where we'll talk a little bit about the news of the day. No doubt. So uh, Reparations? No. <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> I was like, this is the new reparations. Right. We do appreciate it, man. Thanks for all the insights, man. It, uh, it, it, was, it was great. Thanks for indulging us on Quick Hitters. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that time. That was fun. So what's going on, Ethan, with one of these uh, major hot topics that caught my attention, one of the largest rounds in crypto history led by a very ubiquitous and controversial venture capital group. What's, what's the story there? Yeah, for sure. Ethereum-based NFT platform, SoRare, is said to get $532 million in funding led by SoftBank, the largest round in crypto history. This is about the fantasy soccer game and the non-fungible token trading platform so rare and the valuation after that funding round is 3.8 billion dollars this round would add to an already lucrative 
2021 for crypto startups, which has seen the top six funding rounds this year collectively raised more than $1.9 billion. So I see what you're seeing here is the stack, the cash is stacking up. Yeah, I mean, what's wild about this, and maybe it's just because I saw the Netflix show on WeWork, is I would think SoftBank would be a little tentative about throwing down this amount of money. What do we need all that money for to when you have a mob and a movement and energy? It just strikes me as a really large check. What do you think? Well, I apparently I need to ask for more money like, <laughs> like apparently because we can use that money in the Caribbean. But I can definitely tell you this. You can see the wave is coming now. There's going to be more things similar, maybe not as much as SoftBank, but I can definitely tell you this. If they're teaming up with football and we know how rabid those fans are, I'm thinking that right there is probably what should have been raised. Like, like when you think of that, how global that is, you look at that money now a little bit different. Yeah. You know, but wow, wow. It is a cool concept, though. Ethereum-based fantasy soccer game where players trade and manage a virtual team with trading cards. So they're going, they're sort of taking NBA top shots to a whole new level. Yeah. Jeff, what are your thoughts, man? You think about the speed with which innovation is happening and companies are, are, are building a foundation from which they can grow and do other things. And just to give a sense for it, two years ago, Right, they raised their initial, you know, seed round. It was a pre-seed round, really, basically a private round of five hundred and fifty thousand dollars two years ago. One year ago, they raised four million dollars, and six months ago, they raised three and a half million to get what they're what they're doing, right? To get to where they are right now, and they just raised, you know, half a billion dollars at an almost four billion dollar valuation in that time frame. That's insane, right? Like, you know, there's like speed to, to unicorn. Uh, Instagram was like 18 months, I think, to a billion or something like that, which is crazy at the time. And this is nuts, right? Like how fast? And there's real value there. I mean, soccer, largest, most popular sport in the world, an amazing platform that Sora is building. And I think about companies like the Googles of the world that have a tremendous amount of power to create opportunity, to create value on the foundation that they built. And I'm really excited to see what the heck SoRare is going to do next. That's a, a lot of money for a company at this stage. Yeah, we'll, we'll get them on the show and have Ethan find out all their secrets. I know what they can do next. They could come and launch on the Lux blockchain. <laughs> Look, shameless plug. I'm sorry, but um, our friend Zach Kelling has recently launched a, um, a beautiful blockchain project in the Isle of Man. Isle of Man is a tax-free zone. He has one of the only licenses, if not the only license, to operate a money transfer there. And he's putting his blockchain, the Lux blockchain, in the Isle of Man. So if you're talking about 500 or half a billion dollars of things moving around, you guys might want to look up Zach Kelling. I mean, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to um, at least hedge some of your taxes because there's going to be a lot of things moving around for those um, football players. Some good tax advice for SoRare, even though we do not provide tax <laughs> yeah, 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 advice. Yeah. We are not tax <laughs> people or, at all. And this is not, <laughs> no legal advice. And it's just a big homie. That's it. <laughs> and, and no no financial investment advice either. <laughs> just a Jamaican man there. Just, just drink my rum and just bun my herb and you know, talk <laughs> good things for the people. But Locks Blockchain well, Isle of Man. And, and besides sort of your friend, Zach, where can listeners go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on? 
Well, you can definitely check out nfttemovie.com. We will be on there. You know, Instagram, plant-based man on Instagram, Twitter, major dream on Twitter. But I'm sure in, in very shortly, there's going to be the artmob.io so we can uh, get that on and popping. But, you know, reach out. Yeah, hit me up on Instagram. I'm sure we're going to put an art mob up on Instagram as well. So we'll follow up on that. And I'll give you guys the links when it's all said and done. But for all the Caribbean massive with their boats, whether you're from Puerto Rico, whether you're from Cuba, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, or Trinidad, everybody, this is your time to tip your culture. This is your time to really wave your flag. You know, you already have it. So this is time for us to, to represent. And that way, after this point, nobody can do anything without us being involved. Well stated, sir. Well stated. Okay, well, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey also much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, say something cool, and then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Want to help co-create Edge of NFT? Got guests you want to see on the episode, questions for the hosts or guests, an NFT you'd like us to review. Drop us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next week for more great Edge of NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today.